Hey guys, this is Adam of the Dollar Ben Comic Book Podcast. This week on the Dollar Ben, we are presenting you an interview that Devin, that's right, Devin and I did with Robin Firth. Robin is the plotter adapting the Stephen King's Dark Tower series to comic books. Robin does a lot of other things too, but for the purposes of this show and interview, she is the plotter on the Dark Tower comic book series. It's a pretty heavy, spoiler-filled interview. The Dark Tower comic book series is on hiatus, and we talk a lot about the journey and all of the stuff that entails Dark Tower. So if you have any intention of reading Dark Tower and you haven't yet, I would go ahead and skip this one. I hate to alienate our listeners, but it is pretty spoiler-heavy, and I really wouldn't want to ruin the experience for you. If you have no intention of reading Dark Tower, continue to listen. It's it's a fascinating discussion about books being adapted, um, a lot about interpretation, a lot about Dark Tower itself. Uh, we discuss the Dark Tower and its possibilities of being a, a show, like the Game of Thrones, the Song of Ice and Fire stuff, and... It's just the content of this interview is is great. Robin is in England, and we recorded her via phone. So you are getting transatlantic phone sound quality. You you should be able to get through it. It uh the content is great. So enjoy, and uh, we will see you next week with something else probably. But until then, I present to you Robin Firth and Devin. How are you, Robin? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Great to talk to you both. Yeah, good to talk to you again, too. It's been a while. Yeah, when's the last time we spoke? Was uh, it about halfway through the Dark Tower series? I was. That's what I was going Devin and I were looking at it. I think it was right when um, the first of The Gunslinger, The Journey Begins. I think it was right when that started. Wow. Yeah, like... Oh, uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Time's actually been flying. I really don't have a clue how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, gosh, because that was before uh, Steve wrote uh, Wind Through the Keyhole. Yes, yeah. I think, there yeah. Was, I think there was word of that coming out, maybe. Right, yeah, he time. was just, yeah, because yeah. um, he was thinking about that for quite a while, but he didn't actually, I think, finish it up and it didn't go public for quite a while. Yeah. You know, he didn't actually, they didn't start to advertise it. How did uh how did the the wind wind through the keyhole? How did the, I mean did that have anything to do with the success of uh, you guys filling in the stories with the comics? I'm not sure. I think that um it might have been because we were always running things. You know, you, Steve kept getting <laughs> questions about Dark Tower, and then we kept talking about it, and then it was also that whole thing of the film possibly coming out, right? Because Universal had taken up the um, gosh, so actually. I haven't spoken to you since the whole thing happened with that possibility of the film either. No, so yeah, we yeah, never, we, just, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about that. Yeah, so I think that there was so much Dark Tower stuff going on that I think that Steve, he'd been thinking about it a while, but then he started to be inspired. I think that he actually started the writing back in 2009 with Winter the Keyhole. He just started, and then 2010, he started to really, really move forward on it. Yeah, so I think that... um. I guess these things are always so interwoven, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing happens and it inspires another thing. And I think that Steve, he keeps saying, well, I'm done with Dark Tower. But then it comes up again. <laughs> you know, I think that Roland just is very much alive for him, which is great. Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of material <laughs> there. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I've i kind of had the same thing going on the last, like just knowing that 
we were preparing for this interview a little bit. So I went back and started rereading um, some of the comics or whatever and, you know, some of your stuff in the back. And it had been a while since I had read any of that stuff. So, you know, it was kind of bringing me back into Midworld and everything. And, <laughs> you know, if they, thinking about all these characters that I haven't really... Well, and same thing happened with Went Through the Keyhole when I read that. You know, it was just... It had been so long since I had, you know, spent you know, a decent amount of time with the characters basically. <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff comes flooding back into your head and you start it's remembering true, things. It? Yeah. It's, it, you know, it kind of envelops you guys. So I can, uh, I can imagine with all the talk of this and that going on and uh, talks of a movie and uh, how can it not kind of get you excited and go, <laughs> you know, there's some time to play with there. You know, the, yeah, there's some, it, there's some time that's unaccounted more. for. It's really interesting to see what happened. I think, I think Dark Tower, it's going to keep coming up and appearing, which I think is great. Yeah, I'd keep it coming so, in whatever way, shape, or form. Is yeah, the movie form it decides to take. <laughs> is, do you know if the movie thing is just, uh, or, or, I mean, I know I heard that, you know, there was rumors of it being a show as well, or, you know, there was parts of, like, sequential movies and things like that. And Is all of that completely dead, or? No, it's not, actually, because oh, basically there were, it, it was really quite serious back in 2010 with Ron Howard as a director and Akiva Goldsman, they were working with Universal. I was so excited. And they were putting forth a proposal, and that went, went on for a while, and they got a whole bunch of people to go and start talking about how the books, because you know, there's so many books, could be transformed into a series of films and then also a TV show tie-in. Right. <laughs> big plans, really big plans. And I actually went out to California for a couple of months because I was just part of the whole the talks. Right. But then Universal passed because it sounded like such a big budget mm-hmm. thing. And they were like, okay, we'll do one film. And I think that Ron Howard really wanted to do a series of films. And he didn't want to just do one and then have them possibly drop it. He wanted them to right. agree to a series because he wanted to cover all the books or a good chunk of the books. So then Warner Brothers was interested. And then I think that they, there was something where they just couldn't come to an agreement. But there's, a, you know, the, the company that did Ted, the film Ted about the teddy bear? Right. Yeah. Which I haven't seen yet, but I really want to see. Um, well, Adam, Adam's now. shaking his head. I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to see it because I read good reviews of it. But I think that they're, I think he's a Dark Tower fan, so he's interested. Oh, wow. So we'll see what ha- I mean, I think it's just still talking right now, so I haven't heard anything definite. But I think Ron Howard still wants to do it, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's, yeah I mean, so fingers crossed. I think that would be amazing to have it go on the big screen. Oh, yeah. Or even the little screen, you know, even TV. Well, and I think one one of the things I had heard, and I don't know how much this is, you know, was ever even in talks or whatever, but I'm nerdy in the sense that I read a lot of comics, but <laughs> I definitely don't get on the internet and look at all this stuff because I don't like things spoiled for me. And I just. Yeah, oh, I know what you mean. It's also, there's sometimes so much you can kind of get sucked into the into the kind of the, the twists and turns, you know, right. you can spend your life on the internet. Right. Especially when incredible. things are like this, like, you know, nothing's definite there, you know, everybody's in talks about, it. I'm like, I don't care. Dude, let me know when something's let actually going to happen. Let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when it's happening and I'll throw my money down on it. Um, so I try not to pay too much attention, but I think one thing I had heard was that they were talking about doing, you know, a movie to, somewhere between a movie and three movies to kind of set up. And then, you know, moving into like a, like a HBO show type deal. They were definitely talking about that. Okay. Yeah. 
And they were even at one point talking about doing a movie and then moving into television after that and then moving back to a film. So there's been all talk, different, there's been talk about many different formats. And I think one of the questions is that how do you take such a big series, you know, because yeah, there's yeah. now eight books and the novella, Little Sisters of Illyria. Right. So how do you take all that and make it into films and maybe TV tie-ins? And how much detail do you go into? Do you do the whole thing? Do you do parts of it? You know, I think that um, it, it just takes, I think it's a lot of, they're going to put a lot of thought into that. So who knows what they'll eventually come up with, but I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah, and I can imagine it would be pretty tough with everything being, well, a lot of it being so fantastical, you know, and like with the settings and everything, like I can't imagine what the budget would be to like actually make it good. I know, that's the thing. I think it's the budget yeah. that keeps coming up. I can see how it would be <laughs> scary. Like, hmm. I mean, it's either going to be like another Lord of the Rings type thing where people who never were interested in this kind of thing, you know, like it gets big enough to where it's making enough money where everybody ends up, you know, knowing what it is and seeing the movies and doing all that kind of thing or or it gets isolated, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a, and that's a big gamble if it does end up getting isolated and it, people have a lot of money out of line. I could see, I, I'm just saying I, I could see how it could scare people off. Yeah, I think it's the investment. Yeah. Because, like you say, if it's like something like you think about some of those blockbuster things, like um, you know, Lord of the Rings or Avatar, or um, with Game of Thrones, yeah. you know, these things have been so huge. But I guess then you look at something like or what was it? The uh, Nicole Kidman was in it. It was the Pullman novels. I love those novels. They're com- the um, Golden yeah, Compass? The Golden, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I love those books, but they only made one of the films, and I was yeah. so surprised. But I guess it was it was financing, and I think also films cost so much now that to get their money back, I mean, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially if they use lots of special effects. Yeah. You know, and then all the people who are involved being paid, it's a lot of money. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's not completely dead. No, exactly. I think that there are enough people who really love the books and enough people in film who really love the books that I think that people are going to keep being interested until it's made. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be within the next year that something will start moving, or it could be quite a while, because actually um, a, a woman who works for Imagine Entertainment, who I was talking to, and I said, oh my gosh, do you think it will ever happen? And she said, well, you know, these things can take absolutely years from when a film starts being talked about and they start working on it and it bounce, it can bounce around from studio to studio. And it can just take a long, long time, in large part because of budgets and rewrites and yeah. contracts and all this crazy stuff that has to go through. And also with Dark Tides, this is just one of those things I found out, which I didn't know about, is almost everything Steve King has written has been optioned by somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and because Dark Tower has characters from other books coming into it, it gets really complicated. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. I, yeah, I didn't either. Companies and everything. To talk about, well, the tie, tie-ins with the stand. Yeah. Oh, my God. Legal, legal issues. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> and then I guess yeah. that if you use one of those characters and somebody else has the rights to that book to make yeah. itself... I think you have to pay them off. Yeah, like that, yeah. You know? And at that point, you know, you, then you start to run into, you know, some of the same kind of issues, I guess, that you ran into with with writing some of the comics, you know, and plotting that kind of stuff out as like compression issues, mm-hmm. or and not so much, I guess, a compression issue with this. It would just be like whether or not you can use that character. Exactly. Um, so what do you do? Yeah. I mean, 
you know, because and then you think about um, Ted Brodigan. Yeah. Oh God, you know? that's exactly who I was thinking about too. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I love Hearts in Atlantis. Exactly. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. And you just think about, um, you know, it gets really complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that they have to get lawyers involved. That kind of thing, and even for things like. Um, the Finneys, you know. Yeah. So how are the Finneys like, you know, yeah. uh, is it from a Buick 8 where they have like the the um, characters who are a bit like low men in yellow coats? You know, you get, you get lots of crossovers. And the Finney, like um, The Mist, if it's a, you know, is there a crossover there? So that, you know, because that's been a film, The Mist. And I remember yeah. having a discussion with a guy who was a lawyer saying, well, actually, they're quite different. <laughs> talking about the differences. Yeah. And those things really matter. Yeah. And they're coming to make a deal. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> some, if some, all somebody has to do is come and, you know, be able to sort of prove that exactly. it's the same thing. And, oh, God, what a nightmare. And then it's like, who made the deal first? Which book was written first? Right. You know, yeah. they have to go and do all this research into these things. And it, wow. it's interesting because I was thinking, gosh, the very things that make the Stephen King universe so interesting to readers, which is all the kind of interweaving, is exactly what must make it a nightmare for somebody <laughs> who's drawing up a contract. Right. No, yeah, most definitely. You know, which yeah. is one of those bizarre things. Right. Since uh, since we last spoke, I remember we uh, kind of had a conversation because it was also around the time that you were working on uh, The Talisman. Oh, yes. And so since then, I have read uh, Talisman and uh, Black House. Yeah, wonderful book. Yeah, and just the, the amount that, especially like Black House ties in also with The Dark Tower. <laughs> it was just like, oh, it really does. It was just mind-blowing how it all kind of just, how like, it's like almost like, it's just being inside Stephen King's head. Like, all this stuff is inside Stephen King's head, you know? <laughs> it's really true. It is like you're walking around in there. It's really interesting. And I just read 112263 uh, 11, about the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, right. yeah, I was a little that. bit late on the go yeah. there. And what was really, have you read that one yet? I don't want to say I have not. It is intimidating. No, it's intimidating me so much. It's a very big book. It's a very big book. <laughs> it is a very big book. I got and, it for Christmas. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's like getting the time. And also, he's so prolific. So yeah. it's like you think, okay, I'll read that one. And then there's another one. You know, so you, my pile keeps growing. Yeah. But one thing that was really interesting, without ruining anything for you about that book, mm-hmm. but what's really interesting is he talks about time strings yeah. and different worlds that are created with different decisions. And I was thinking you get into that whole, the, the dark tower then and the multiple layers right. of the tower, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So it seems to come into so many of the books, you know? It's the many layers of the brain of Stephen King. Exactly. <laughs> and we're all in there too, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I've, I've got that to read. I, I just got the audiobook of Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah, I read that's really good, too, because um, especially if you were a fan of The Shining. And I listened, because um, I did the audiobook of uh, Went Through the Keyhole. Oh, yeah. And uh, Stephen King reads that himself. Gosh, you know, I, I'd forgotten that. It, <laughs> at the end of that, there's um, like the first chapter or two from Dr. Sleep. So I listened to that and just picked it up as soon as it came out. I'll have to... I've never actually read The Shining, so I'm trying to decide if I want to go back and read it first. <laughs> Have you seen the film? Yeah, I've seen the film and the, and, and the TV. Yeah, the TV, the um, 
Yeah, I've seen the one that that Steve did. Some. I also <laughs> love the other one. I love them, you know both. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I know how much he dislikes the uh, <laughs> the Kubrick one. Yeah, it's 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 one of those. I mean, it is. You know, they always call it Kubrick's The Shining, but I think it's worth seeing as well. Mm-hmm. Is the other if one you have with, a night, um, with Friday wings? night or Saturday yes. night late on, and you want to see something scary? TV Stephen <laughs> Weber. Yeah, I love wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it always comes back to the tower, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So it's it's it is it's a thing that's always in motion. Even even when Stephen King says he's done with it, it's going to show up somewhere else. I really think so. And it's a wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cause a wheel. Yeah. In um, the time from, I guess, The Journey Begins mm-hmm. to, to now, is it pretty much coming to an end, or is it on a unknown hiatus? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm hoping that Dark Tower comes back. You never know. Yeah. Wait and see. You never know. Is there a official reasoning for it kind of coming to an end now? Well, basically, Steve said, let's take a little break. And, um, you know, let Roland rest for a while, and then we'll see. <laughs> so who knows? I know that um, a lot of the stories uh, from this point on were kind of fleshing out stories from Gunslinger. Yes. And uh, a lot of them are stories that were hinted at, but never really had any body or depth to them. And a lot of that came from you, right? Well, yeah, the fleshing out came from me. And then we did The Little Sisters of Alluria, which was great yeah. fun, because I've always loved that novella but yeah there was a lot that was fleshed out from little sections of the novel and would bounce things off of steve to make sure it was okay because yeah. at one point there was like oh can we do arthur eld and he's like well actually i'd like to do something with arthur eld later so let's <laughs> let's not go there so um i was disappointed because i love arthur eld but yeah, you know if he does it that's fantastic so yeah so there was that back and forth what i'd really love to do if we could eventually go back i would love to do like the drawing of the three and the wasteland because those are great yeah you know we had actually we've been talking about that too in preparation for talking to you uh you know just wondering (laughs) was that ever a consideration like or was it ever like no we're going to stick to this you know sort of time period or whatever and we're not going to bring in the newer characters or whatever you know like not bringing in susanna and yeah, when, when we first started, when we were talking about that second run, we began with The Journey Begins, mm-hmm. there was a whole talk of, well, what do we do now? Do we, can we move into, you know, Eddie and Susanna? And at that point, Steve King was like, well, let's just stick with what we have now and, and Little Sisters of Valeria and The Gunslinger. Let's stick with those for right now. So that's what we did. And at that point, you know, because there was this whole talk about the films, Mm-hmm. And so I think that also Steve probably wanted to wait and see what was going to happen with the films. That makes sense. You know, because yeah. they really wanted to cover the later books. As, yeah. You know, in some ways they were more excited about the later books than starting with the Gunslinger. But who knows <laughs> what's going to actually happen in the future if they start with the Gunslinger? I mean, it seems to me like if they make a film, you start with the Gunslinger because then you have Jake in there as well, and then you can yeah. build into the rest of them. But you know, I think that some filmmakers like the fact that. A lot of the later, well, especially with drawing of the three, you come back to our world. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. Yeah. So we'll see. What you said made sense, and I mean, with the drawing of the three, not only do you have, you know, like with with Gunslinger, you have the introduction of basically Roland, the Man in Black, and Jake are the yeah. the ongoing characters that you're introduced to. But in drawing of the three, you are introduced to the meat and potatoes of the whole story as far as characters go. So. I feel like as a filmmaker, I can see where they would be hesitant to not 
want to start with the book that's going to have everybody <laughs> in it already. Exactly, yeah, because you really get into, like you say, that meat and potatoes and yeah. the whole thing of there being doorways between worlds and um, the, the kind of strange connection between mid-world and our world. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've been working on a, um, an article for Cemetery Dance just about that idea of the kind of doubles and twinning of, you know, not only different characters, you know, because characters will have twins or they'll mm-hmm. be kind of like reflections of each other if you think of Cuthbert yeah. and Eddie, but then also mid-world and our world. You know, in some ways, mid-world's like this future version of, of our world. So it's just really interesting how they're all interconnected. <laughs> That's always the part that I the, my brain has the hardest time wrapping around is the idea of it being kind of an alternate world, yet maybe future world, but not quite a future world of our world, but maybe like this sideways step world or kind of like, it's like, you know, there's things like you got the oil company, you know, you had the gas stations and everything and show up and all this stuff. And it's like, when you first start, you're like, okay, well, this is in like a desolate future. And then you're like, well, no, it's not. It's in its own world. And then it's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a parallel related future. It's almost like <laughs> a world that split off from our world. And then this is its outcome. Yeah. And um, so what's going to happen with our world that we experience? It's, it's really, it, it does start to bend your mind into very weird places. Have you ever had any 19 experiences? Oh, <laughs> yes. All, yeah, all over It's weird, place. isn't it? Because I, I think as soon as you become a Dark Tower yeah. fan, like all of a sudden the number 19 means something to you. And all of a sudden it starts at weird times in your life. It'll show up everywhere. I'm allergic to seafood. There was one time I like <laughs> I had an ex girlfriend that was uh she thought she was supposed to be mad at me about something. There was a miscommunication <laughs> and then when she figured out that uh she was wrong about it or whatever and I was right. Um, <laughs> she was she felt really bad and but you know, she had been she and her friends had been out and uh you know, drinking and basically talking shit about me and my buddy the whole day. <laughs> yeah. So, so when finally, you know, I get back up with her and she's, you know, she, everything comes full circle. She realizes what really happened. She's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. So she's, you know, tries to make up for it. And she's like, here, so we're at this restaurant or whatever. And where I'm picking her and her friend up from where they've been sitting for like 10 hours, just man hating all day. And she's like, I want to do something nice for here. I'm going to get you some steak. So she, we're at like a tapas place and she (laughs) tapas, not topless. So she orders the filet or whatever. And she's like, here, here. She's trying to be all nice and, but she's drunk. So she's, you know, being silly about it. And she feeds me some filet or whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, that was amazing. What, what is that stuff on top? And come to find out it was crab meat. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. Oh, I'm no. definitely allergic to seafood. So uh, I, I end up, and she's drunk and can't drive me to the hospital. So I jump in my car and I'm running red lights and like, <laughs> just, I'm like sideways. I, this is when I have my Mustang. I'm, I'm like sideways sliding down the street to get to the hospital, pull in there. Anyway, they stuck me in um, emergency room 19, and I was like, oh, my God, what does this mean? Oh, I'm like, is it, is it, it, does this mean it's it? Does this mean that this wow. is like, the, am I coming out of this? Because I thought I was going to die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. So how sick do you get from the seafood? Uh, I mean, it basically just, you know, basically sent me in an anaphylactic shock yeah. or whatever, and, you know, closed my oh, no. throat open. You know, I choked to death, basically. Oh, my um, God. I've got some EpiPens that are good for another month if you want them. Sweet. <laughs> just oh, just wow. in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I, I don't know if you've ever taught anybody that has a serious allergy like that. But, yeah, the, pretty much 
you're, you're either going to die or you're going to live by, you know, injecting yourself with epinephrine. Yeah. And wow. <laughs> which is well, basically like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just sitting there all my mind's racing. You know, I've already had to like make peace with myself and think, cause I'm thinking like, this is it. They always told me I would, if I ate like certain kinds of seafood, like I might make it to the hospital. I might not. And I mean, oh it was God. a whopping like five minutes between when I, yeah. ate this or whatever that I was at the hospital and they had an IV in me. So I don't know if it was really going to, if I had eaten enough to do anything, but point was I knew not to do it and I was freaking terrified. <laughs> and then they put me in number 19. I was like, what does that mean? Oh, that's weird. Oh my God. Does this mean, is this like, is this it? Is this the end? Of, is that, that's the end of my story? Is that why it's 19? Is it 19 because I'm going to come out of this? That's and this why is, it was number 19. Yeah. I'm like, is this the beginning of my, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm going to be re like reborn after this. Like, <laughs> Wow. Wow, that is a good 19th <laughs> All the other ones have just been like, hey, they sat us at table 19. That's cool. And I can't even tell any of my buddies why I think that this is awesome that I'm sitting, I, that I keep getting sat at like table 19s at restaurants, you know? No, it's weird. I remember once I, I was flying back to the States and I think that Dark Towers and some of the comics were about to start up again. And yeah. it was like, Flight 19, seat 19, <laughs> buy some food, it's 1999. Oh, and it was just so freaky. Yeah, and at that point you're like, do I go on this? I know, you think it's just fiction. <laughs> Am like, I is this the good kind or is this the bad <laughs> yeah, kind? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as much as your life is in and surrounds Dark Tower, how does that work out with your, your friends and family and people you know? All of your, everything, you know, that relates to the Dark Tower, do they get it? Not always. <laughs> um, some, like, some do. My, um, my family has started to read The Dark Tower because I spend so much time there. They're reading it to, to kind of understand what I'm doing. <laughs> but um, it's always great to talk to other people who are, really know the world because most of my family and friends just kind of know it in passing. Yeah. <laughs> They're not, like, huge Dark Tower fans. Some of them are King fans, you know, big King fans, mm -hmm. and they know Dark Tower. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How, what kind of, in, I mean, how often do you get to interact with uh, Dark Tower fans? At comic book conventions, or sometimes you just, you meet somebody, and, and you just start to talk about it. Or sometimes, you know, book-related events, those kind of things. Sometimes other writers, you'll, you'll get really surprised. Like, actually, here's something. I went to um, meet a folklorist meet, uh, working at a university over here, and it turned out that he was a fan, a Dark Tower fan. So we ended up talking about Dark Tower. And he was really interested in the kind of the folklore side of Dark Tower. So you never know that we're, we're hiding everywhere. <laughs> have you found that working with Dark Tower the way you have has brought more people into um, being fans of you? I mean, like Devin and I obviously have. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we should say that. What's great is like when I go to comic book conventions and stuff, just to meet people who have really enjoyed the comics and just to get talking about that and to talk about writing. And, and it's just... It's really been nice. I mean, I think that Dark Tower fans that I've met have been great. Well, it's got to be cool for you to be, you know, so personally vested in a thing and then to, I mean, to begin with, you know, and then to be able to become such a like integral part of it and like to the point where you're, you know, having to craft your own tales about that these has characters. Been amazing. I feel I, very lucky that I've been able to do that. I, I can know. imagine. Yeah, Stephen King's been supportive of it. That's the yeah. most amazing thing because Dark Tower is such a big deal in his life and his creative life. Yeah, how personal it is to him and, and him to trust you to be a part of it. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, so and it and it also feels like a big responsibility because they go, no, don't do anything that gets him mad. You know. Yeah. But he's been very good, and and I guess kind of seeing that the world of the novels and the world of comics as yet more parallel realities. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that because some of the things that happen in Winter the Keyhole is slightly different from some of the things that happen in the comics because the things like you know how Court dies in the comics came out of something that Steve wrote in the novels about how Court died, yeah. and then a discussion we had. And then so many years down the line, when he went to win through the keyhole, he rethought it and wanted it to happen differently. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you just, you know, the parallel world, which is a good way for me to think about it as well, so that yeah. Stephen King can go back and do things that are slightly different in the books if he decides to revisit them and do more. And I think we discussed that a little bit last time we talked. And that's one of the things I do love about it and the idea that there could be <clears throat> these different worlds. I think um, especially being in the comics culture world community that, that I and Devin are is we end up running into a lot because now a lot of these uh comics are becoming movies and things and we often run into having to have discussions with people who feel (laughs) that if something was done in the movies different than it was in the comics then that completely just discredits everything and ruins the entire experience and to me the movie is, it's a parallel universe. It's not the comic. The comic is, is its own right. story, and the movie yeah. does not affect that. No, you're right, and, and I think that's a really good way to think about it, because even if you think about you know, the Marvel universe, because there are parallel Marvel right. universes within this Marvel yeah. universe, yeah. so I just think that that's a really good way to think about it. So Devin and I, like, like we first met you in 2008, maybe? Wow, yeah. yeah, I think it was yeah, it was oh seven or oh eight. Whenever you yeah. came to Heroes Con, when you were at Heroes Con is when we met. Right you. when Dark Tower was coming out. Yeah, yeah, that was right at the beginning. Yeah. Wow, yeah, God, I forgot it was that long ago. I would love to go back to Heroes Con someday. It's still a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, because it's really it's, it's a really good con. It always has a really great reputation. That was our first convention, or mine at least. I don't know if it yeah, was really? too. That was yep. first convention too. Yep. And so I think that's like where Dark Tower. I hadn't read. The Dark Tower books yet. The comics was where I started reading Dark Tower. Oh, wow. So for me, having the comics be this introduction to the Dark Tower and really Stephen King for me, and then being at Heroes Con, which was my first comic book convention, and then meeting you and Peter David for the first time, who are working on one of my favorite books. You mm-hmm. know, you're like some of the first people I ever met. I think that's really why I, I don't know, like I, I definitely feel like I have this like dark tower comics experience relationship where it's like, as soon as it was over, I was like, I have to call Robin. That's so interesting. That, you know, that it's like all these beginnings tying together. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. As soon as I started reading your last essay, I see like the very first few sentences. I was like, no, 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 oh. no, 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 no. Like I could just feel it. I could feel it. As I was reading, I was like, no. And as soon as I finished it, that's when I wrote you an email. As soon as I finished reading your essay, I was like, I'm writing Robin an email. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad you did. And you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get the chance to to start up again. I'm hoping. Yeah. Because it's so nice to live in that world, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you're glad to get to play with um, Aileen one more time with the, oh, with the last issue. And the whole the whole last issue with uh, So Fell Lord Perth and having the, the kind of the flashback storytelling and, and having the kind of that closure there with Roland was pretty, pretty uh, fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. It was fun to do those one shots just to be able to kind of dip into other parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. That was great to be able to do. 
I like how they're told, and the same as with, um, you know, Wind Through the Keyhole, I like how they're told in kind of a, a present flashback where, you know, you have the characters that we're most familiar with, and it's them telling the story of some characters that we may not be as familiar with. Yeah, and actually, I was really inspired by Wind Through the Keyhole mm-hmm. because I loved that story within a story within a mm-hmm. story where, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, Roland tells about, you know, goes from the present Roland that we know so well back to the boyhood Roland mm-hmm. that we knew from, you know, um, Wizarding Glass and we worked with in the comics and I, I loved dearly. And then from there you move into this almost like fairy tale mode. Yeah, I love the, uh, I love the idea of a writer telling a story as another character because it's like, as a writer you have your voice, but right. if you're telling the story that another character is telling, like, you're not... You can't write in your voice. You have to write in that character's voice. And exactly. I think that that's a really, a really cool thing for a writer to do because I think it's, it's a challenge that they don't always I have agree. to face. And I also thought it was interesting because it was the first time that Stephen King really got into Roland's voice where you're just hearing Roland speak for quite a while. And you get an insight into his character that you're seeing him in the other books as even though he's speaking and you kind of have his viewpoint sometimes, you're seeing him at more of a distance. Mm-hmm. than when he's actually telling that story in the way he's telling it. One of the interesting things that I picked up from the audiobook that Stephen King, when Stephen King reads it himself, is that he actually <laughs> says some of the names differently than uh, the audiobook reader um, of all the previous oh, other really? books <laughs> and some of the names that I've said. Yeah, because I've, I've always said Roland DeShane, but he says Deschain. Oh, really? Interesting. And I don't know if he says that in real life or it was just when he was doing the reading of the audiobook. I'll have to ask him. Because we always just say Roland. Yeah. That's Jane, he says. Another thing is Cuthbert or Cuthbert. Yeah, and I think he said Cuthbert instead of Cuthbert. Yeah, some people say Cuthbert. Yeah. So there's these interesting things. So as I was listening to it, I was like, this is the man himself, you know? Yeah. No, that is really interesting. But yeah, he says Death Chain. Why did that just flip me on my ear? What's interesting about that, when we were talking about the film, there was this whole thing about high speech. Oh, wow, yeah. And so do you have people speak high speech? in the film and if so how are things pronounced yeah, that's so there was a this whole thing it. about going back to the audiobooks to listen because mm-hmm. evidently um well, there's two readers also of the audio yeah books. so people say things differently but it's really interesting you say that then steve actually because I, I should listen to the audiobook that he reads because i haven't done that yeah. but um that he pronounces things differently because evidently the one of the audiobook readers would ask questions and Steve would leave answering machine messages, but they didn't save the answering machine messages. No. <laughs> so there's a lot, but um, it just yeah. would be really interesting to hear that. Yeah, it was it was funny because at first I was like, I can't believe Stephen King's saying these names wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but really, if anyone should know, it should be him, right? <laughs> well, it's true, and one of the funny things that actually happened with the kind of the comics and then went through the keyhole. Evidently, some people wrote into the website and said, "Dear Mr. King." What you said happened can't happen because it happened differently in the comic. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, actually, that's putting the cart before the horse. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, oh, God, you know, that, that's not a good thing. They're his books and his babies, you know. He was fine about it, but it's kind of humorous. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that you know a lot of people do have that sort of point of view on it, though. If that's where they started out, and if they mm-hmm. hadn't never read the books beforehand, and you know, so you've got that one perspective. And if you yeah. go back and read, and I yeah, totally... and, it, and it will throw you, I think, as well. If you're yeah. expecting one thing and then it changes, you think, hmm, 
I had totally forgotten about the part about with Aileen and how her basically her role had changed between what the 1982 book oh. and, or version yeah. and the 2003 version where yeah. uh, she yeah. basically went from being the girl that he was with after Susan to being a dance partner. For right, exactly. Really changed. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And kudos to you for fleshing her out because, I mean, like, I'm really interested in that character now. Yeah, um, I found her really interesting. And also because in the comics, we didn't get the chance for a girl gunslinger. And, right. and if you think about Susanna Dean being so important in yeah. the novels, I thought, you know, it would be really great if we could just get some of that energy into the comics. Yeah. And also because you think of all the female readers out there, and they kind of want to work on something too. Yeah, I'm, I really, I, I loved working with, uh, uh, you know, Aileen. Speaking of uh, female readers, what kind of readership did you come across when you talked to people that were fans of the book and of the comic series? Really diverse. Yeah. Both, both women and men. Were a lot of them already fans of the Dark Tower series, or did the, like me, did the comics draw them in? Quite a few people. That was a great thing. They would read the comics, and then they'd get into the books. And then you had people who read the books and then would come by and say, well, I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in looking at the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, where do I start? And you show them the gunslinger born. <laughs> but it was always great when somebody said, wow, I read the comics, and then I started to read the books. Yeah, I think if you, are, if you did read the books already, you could pretty much pick these comics up at, at the beginning of any of the, the tales, I guess. Yep. Right, and you'll know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. You, you can probably. The jump only difference would be like you know with basically with Aileen. Yeah, you know, she would right. be the only one if you didn't start off with. Uh, do we first really see her in Treachery? Yeah, she really okay. comes in. in so if you so if you started off with anything after if you went to like Bar- Battle of Jericho Hill, you'd be like, "Whoa, who is who is this who is, <laughs> who is this badass?" And now she's gone already. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> like, damn it! Do, do you ever? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what is your opinion on? I mean, not. I mean, obviously, it is what it is. Like we are where we are in the whole scheme of things. But yeah. what was your opinion of like the change to kind of downplay her role? Uh, I could Roland. see why he did it. Right. I think because Susan is so fleshed out when he gets to Wizarding Glass. Mm-hmm. And then he decided, okay, I need to, to change this. Right. But it is one of those kind of changes, slight changes in the universe. Like um, in the second book, 19 comes up a lot more. And there's another change. Oh, one of the changes that I thought was really interesting between the first version of The Gunslinger and the second version of The Gunslinger is when... Oh, oh! I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. The um, the owner of the and the bartender. Yeah, in um, tall. Yeah, in tall. Alice, Allie. Let me look up in my own concordance. Isn't that sad? <laughs> <laughs> I just picked up Battle of Toll. So. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, what's really interesting is um, that in the first version, she actually doesn't want to die, and like basically, don't shoot me, and sh- Roland shoots her anyway. But in the rewrite, she says, I said 19, I've seen the horrors, shoot me, I can't live with this. And that's actually quite a profound change because it means that Roland is no longer quite as guilty. Yeah, right. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So, um, yeah, Yeah. so there are lots of little changes. And if you ever go through and just compare them really carefully, I think you'll be really interested in all those little changes. And and like the change you had to make for for when Roland kills his mom. 
Yeah. The, the um, I just uh, I just reread that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that <laughs> I definitely haven't kept it that fresh on my mind, but I did. I just no, reread that. And then you read so yeah. much, you know. Yeah, and I just I just reread that the other night, and uh, you know, I read your your part afterward where you were talking about how you had to decide to make you know the change to make everything fit in there and make sense, and it does. It change, you know, it do, it does. It changes. I guess the way it happened, his mindset and everything, as opposed to, you know, coming in all like, I guess, in the comics where he came in and was more, I guess, confrontational as opposed to before when he was basically trying to get her to, uh, or in the books or whatever, when he was trying to get her to confess her sins and say she was sorry and make it make it good again, you know? Right, right. And and, um, and the trick that the role that um, the old witch plays, Rhea the Queen, yeah. is, is, is oh, yeah. different. Much, much bigger role in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's always, once again, that kind of parallel world right. of the comics and the books. And, you know, you can't even imagine him living with that. No. <clears throat> you know, such a horrible thing. So much, you know, I mean, is everything. Everybody's yeah, yeah. ever known, yeah. you know? I mean, nothing ends well for anybody around <laughs> Roland. No, exactly. And that's something I thought about a lot, you yeah. know, when we were working on the comics, is that the Roland we meet in The Gunslinger, he's hard. And then you think about how a very young man, from a boy to a young man, becomes that. And all those experiences he goes through, you know, shooting his mother, losing everyone at the Battle of Jericho Hill, people being murdered, betrayal. <laughs> yeah. You know, just incredible. I think right before when we spoke, because we started talking about uh, The Journey Begins, but I remember we were talking about how much I was hoping that he would pick up the horn <laughs> in the <Yeah>. comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because, you know, like we were saying, it is a parallel world. And like, I was like, you know, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh, please pick up the horn. Please pick up oh, the horn. Like, I was like this hope, there's like this hope inside that. me that just wanted to, like, like, I want it to end well. I want to know, like, if he just picks up the horn, I'll know that it might end well, you know? <laughs> well, isn't it interesting because that was one of the things when um, they were talking about scripting the film. Yeah. Should he have the horn from the yeah. beginning of the film? Because then you know that it's the... It's new. And this is yeah, like the, yeah. the that, way that things are going to really go. And then he could also give it maybe a little bit happier of an ending. <laughs> I know, I know. Because the, the film crowd, I don't know how they're going to handle that. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, that's a tough one, though, because you so, really got to, yeah. you know, <laughs> if they did go that route, then you have to craft out the new change. ending, yeah. you know. Well, and that's it. And they have to get change. permission to change all that. So what would happen? Yeah. Would Susan Delgado be alive again? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where do you go? What, what would you see if you had the horn? Oh God! And it yeah. Through, and it, what would you see happening at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. like yourself, what would you? Because I was thinking about that a lot, and I'm not certain. It's crazy. You know, yeah, I mean, because it goes that thing that takes everything back so far that you wonder if I mean. Yeah. It could have been that. What else could have changed? Yeah, like what if what if it, this had all come to a head like long before he ever had to you know meet up with Eddie and Susanna and and Jake and everybody. So like what you know what if all this what if he finds the tower before that because he was on you know a different oh, path yeah. and you know yeah. I mean that maybe none of that ended up ever happening and. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That, that's it's, well, the whole that's thing a little too be, much. Whole, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, it would be really interesting on the on the yeah. subject of what else could happen yeah. when you read eleven twenty two sixty three because it deals with that whole thing about changing history. Yeah, because yeah. then you and you then just created happens? infinite you know possibilities. other possibilities yeah. and infinite possible disasters. Yeah. 
I'm curious because one of the, I, I think that would actually be I would be pro that in the movies, um, mainly because I'm always curious about how, again, how people react. And a lot of times when a book or something that is amazing will have this ending and it ends really the only way that it should have ended and it may not be a happy ending. But a lot of times in movies, that does not play. That doesn't play out in a movie. Like, people watch a movie, they want a happy ending. They cannot They do, have. actually. You're right. And I think if he picked up the horn, anybody who did read it, would be like, you know, this is a different story. And I'm wondering if they would reject it or if they would accept it as the the happy ending that it could possibly have. I don't know. People intrigue me. <laughs> Did you see the film version of The Myth? I did not. I haven't seen either of them. Oh, There's when you get the chance, they changed the ending on The Myth, but they made it darker. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Different. Which is really quite daring. I think it's Frank Darabont, and it's really good. It's an excellent film. But they do make it really... I mean, it's pretty dark anyway. Yeah. But they make it darker. I'll check so it out. So it'll be interesting, you know, that, that whole thing about... Because I was really surprised because I was expecting the kind of happier ending. Mm -hmm. But boy, he didn't go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting that, that you know, because then it's a real shocker if, if somebody doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to see what they decide to do. Hopefully the film will be made and then yeah. we'll see. <laughs> We, we, we kind of came back to the film again, but it is impressive to me, especially nowadays with the, you've got the Harry Potter series, you've got the Lord of the Rings stuff, they've gone back to do the Hobbit, you've got the, um, the George R. R. Martin, why am I joining, Game of Thrones, yeah, 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 you've got yeah, all yeah, that, you've uh, got, Game of Thrones. yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely, these epic tales are definitely getting picked up, um, Ender's Game just hit, you know, yeah. the movies, it's not quite as epic, I mean, I doubt if they're going to do that whole that whole story because that I don't see any, most of that being in movies, but yeah. <laughs> but they're definitely starting to pick up these more epic tales are becoming a thing, and especially like uh well you know a like True Blood that's a that's a yeah. book series that's an you know uh, Game of Thrones a lot of this stuff so it is kind of shocking to me that this ha that this hasn't happened yet you know I agree With everybody else doing all all these things and taking chances yeah um, I agree yeah I'm not certain if it's just because you'd think that some of those things must have enormous budgets oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah. And I think maybe like I think like you you may be onto something with the whole character ownership and things like that and all the different stories where a lot of these other stories are pretty contained within themselves. And uh, you know, it's interesting. Another thing they mentioned um, the whole thing about Jake because Jake doesn't age that much over the course of the books. Yeah. Hard to cast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How old oh, wow. of yeah. a of a boy do you cast? Yeah. In the book, he's like eleven, going on twelve, but. That's a dangerous age because yeah, some boys are going to get puberty. All of a sudden, he's like a he's yeah. like six feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> you grow a foot, and you know your voice drops like a flock. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I know that one of the big one of the big problems that uh, came across with Ender's Game is that Orson Scott Card he he said that it had to be young kids. Like all of the movie producers wanted older kids, eighteen year olds, because right. of you know um, labor stuff exactly. and all that. And so, but he, he said they have to be young. It doesn't make sense unless they're young. And uh, that was one of the things that really drew out that becoming a movie. So I can see where, where Jake would be an issue. Yeah. And then, you know, even if you think about Wizard and Glass with Roland and Cuthbert or Cuthbert, and, um, <laughs> you know, you know, all the yeah. three boys, you know, and Elaine, are they 14 or do you cast like 16 to 18 year olds, you know? Yeah. So that I remember overhearing people, you know, talking about that. What do you do? And that's why I love the world of comics 
agree. <laughs> because I've talked about other things like that too. Um, the HBO show uh, that was a uh, Carnival. Uh huh. I loved that show, and it, it, HBO kind of called called it early, and there was always talk of it maybe it coming back. But you know, now it's like you know eight years have passed or something, so it's not like they can bring it back at this point. But it could always come back in comics because comics are kind of timeless. <laughs> I agree, and I think that's the magic of it. Yeah, and you don't have to pay actors. And you don't have to pay actors. <laughs> well, it's really true, and a small number of people. Special effects are amazing. All <laughs> this, you know? And so the comics team, like like all the, like you said, like all the people, I mean, when it started out, it was kind of um, you, Peter David. Gay, J- yeah, yeah, Jay Lee. Richard Yeah, and Richard Eisenhoff, yeah. Yeah. Then you had the editors, Ralph Macchio, mm-hmm. yeah. and he was a big part of it. And John Barber was a big part of it early on, and then he ended up leaving Marvel. I think he went into... I'm, I'm not certain what he's doing now. I think he might be doing some alternative comics. I have to see what he's doing, because he was really good as well. And um, uh, Nicole, she got married and changed her last name. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the original team, and then it changed, you know what I mean? Because uh, you know, we had... Gay for quite a run, and then um, he decided he needed a break, and Sean came on as a penciler, and then we kept getting different pencils, all of who were yeah. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Richard Eisenhoff did an amazing job kind of solidifying oh, the whole thing over, like, with all the different artists. They all still had the same feel, and even when he was the sole artist on some of it, it was just, it was pretty amazing the way he was able yeah, to he did. He was he gave that consistent look to it, which was fantastic, and he's a wonderful artist. So how did that collaboration with, with all this being like, you, you, I know you have to run things by uh, Stephen King, like with yeah. all that, how, how, how did that, I mean, there's so many people, how did that collaboration really hold together? It actually worked really well. I think because everyone knew the thing they're, they're focusing on and then they give feedback to other people, yeah. but we were all very supportive of each other and of each other's work. And um, when you have a lot of respect for the people who you work with, like I have tremendous respect for Peter's work. He's, mm-hmm. You know, he's done such amazing stuff in comics and as a novelist, too. So you see their work, you really like it, and you can learn from them. You know, everybody kind of learns about what other people, other, the other people are doing yeah. and their perspectives and their takes on things. You're kind of, uh, you're plotting things. So when you're writing a plot, you have to run that by Stephen King and say, hey, this is, is this okay? And he says yes, right? Yeah. Often what I do, you know, I try not to bother him too, too much because he has so many projects that he's juggling. But whenever I do something and I was thinking, hmm, this might be going off, (laughs) you know, I just, I, I shoot him an email to just check. Okay. You know, and say, what do you think about this? Do you feel comfortable with this? Or, you know, if what's the origin when I was doing The Sorcerer yeah. and, um, you know, for um, the origins of, um, you know, certain things, just saying, well, what do you think, Steve? And then he'd give me the information back, you Damn. know. Did, like, character design stuff and Peter David's, like, uh, dialogue, did that have to go kind of through channels with Stephen King? Well, what would happen would be the final, once we got all the bits done and and worked things out, the pencils with the the scripts and all the speech Mm -hmm. balloons would then go to Stephen Chuck. And Chuck is, is, you know, Steve's agent. He'd also read it through and make sure. Okay. So they'd get the final, you know, stamp of approval. And sometimes they'd have questions like, oh, what about such and such? Because, you know, we want it consistent to be consistent with what happened in this other thing. And, yeah. But usually, you know, we'd just be mostly catching things like, you know, um, 
with lettering, maybe a word was misconstrued by the letter, you know, the letterer misread something or, yeah. it, you know, wasn't certain what something said or, you know, it's always really interesting, though, because often at the very end, when something's got to go to the printer the next day, and everyone's <laughs> scrambling and everyone's up really late, and then you realize, oh, my God, that bubble, it's supposed <laughs> to be, you know, I mean, and it, and it, you know, no one's saying it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, you know, we've got to quickly change all these things around, because those things can happen last minute. So um, it's always an adventure. With this kind of um, coming to a hopefully temporary end, <laughs> a hiatus, what is Robin Firth doing now? Well, I um, I got the chance to do an X-Men, just a one-shot, but it was a lot of fun, because yeah. I'm an X-Men fan. <laughs> and um, then I've been doing some stuff for Cemetery Dance. I've done some articles. There's a book chapter about King stuff. I'm going to be doing uh, a Dark Tower trivia book, which will be fun. Oh, cool. But also, <laughs> I've been, yeah, it's just kind of fun. And... Um, but also working on some comics. Uh, there's a graphic novel I've been working on for a while, which actually started out being, I, I had a dream about, it was Dark Tower characters, then it morphed into something completely different. So I've been working on that, which has been a lot of fun. So quite a few different projects and yeah. kind of diversifying, and I miss Dark Tower, of course. But, um, you know, moving into some other comic things, fiction things, it's been a lot of fun. So you would, I guess, working on Dark Tower has pretty much opened up a whole new career path for you, almost. Yeah, and it's always a, it's always a lot of work, and it's always daunting to make a change because I spent, I mean, there were years where I was working so hard on the Dark Tower comics that was yeah. like I was working all the time, and I, I even I took a little break after it was all you know over. I went kind of like, oh, <laughs> I just collapsed. I was so exhausted because. I, you know, especially because we were we were on such a tight schedule for a lot of them. I was working all the time. But yeah, it's to change direction and change things. You always have to sit back and think, "Wow, okay, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go?" And I love comics, and I want to keep them in my life because it is. It's it's a really it's a magical medium, like you say. It's like nothing else can capture the things that comics capture. I think. Right. Yeah, and with the you know <laughs> continued Dark Tower interests or whatever, you know. Uh, Always job security for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um... Oh, we need a consultant? <laughs> yeah. I think I know yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm hoping that happens with, yeah. with this new... I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. another thing I've wondered. How many times do you think you've read the original books? Oh, many times. <laughs> Some of them, like, five or six times, and it's kind of scary. That's it? <laughs> well, and then going back more, you know, just... Yeah. You go back and you realize that um, someone asks a question and you're and you're not certain. You have to think, okay, I know where to go. I can pick up Wizard of Glass and flip to the page, which is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a like a semi-photographic memory or anything? Well, I think that I have a very good memory for plots and characters. I think it's because I've always been obsessed with folklore and mythology. Right. And there's so much of that in the Dark Tower. And the, the family lines and the, you know, it just really sticks in my mind. And also when I was doing the concordance that um, I had to paginate, you know, every page that right. certain characters show up. And so, you know, I had to go back through, you know, I read them, read them, read them. And then I would go back through just looking for certain characters, 
looking for certain references. Right. I always wondered about that. That and, uh, you know, and I guess George R. R. Martin has, uh, you know, a, his own Robin Firth. To go back through all these things. And I'm like, you know, that just fascinates me yeah. to, you know, to think that, you know, you've spent enough time with this to like, to know where to find things in these books and point out to, you know, something that's different from this or that and the different versions and everything like that. And, oh, well, this kind of goes against what happened later on. You know, there, there might be a little bit of a oopsie there because I, I mean, just from, the sheer amount of years between when he was writing some of those books. Exactly. And he's written imagine. so many books in between. <laughs> yeah, and I can't imagine having to wait. Like, <laughs> that, <laughs> Good Lord, between what, book three and four, what was there, like eight years or yeah, something crazy yeah, like that? Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Good Lord, can you imagine getting stuck at the end of that? I mean, I don't know when you, I don't know if you were reading these like as they were coming out, but I can't imagine getting stuck at the end of book three and you leave everybody on bleeding the pain. Well, evidently, he would get lots of mail. I'm sure. <laughs> People saying, you can't leave me here. <laughs> you know, you have to finish. Yeah. So, it, you know, because people are literally left on the train. <laughs> yeah. 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 For eight years. Yeah, I know my, yeah. Um, my uncle dealt with the break there. That That's one of the reasons it's like that and then like Robert Jordan. And it's like my uncle will not read like a, a, a ongoing series now until it's over. Oh, really? Because <laughs> he was left hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can understand that. It just, it, I'm, I'm sure everybody nuts. that reads Game of Thrones <laughs> is pretty uh, nervous. I'm pretty nervous. No, it's incredible because the worlds that people create are so real for readers. Right. Yeah. And you live there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, most people read as a form of, well, you know, a lot of people do as a form of escapism. You know, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's another place to go, you know. Exactly, but, exactly. Um, and you kind of, I mean, you lose yourself in there. Yeah, which is amazing, and and it's funny because you think about I was thinking you know people who don't read they don't read books or they don't read comics and right. or they don't read other you know you know or even if they're not that into film they don't have these other worlds to go to. No, there's yeah, there, I mean because it really is. I mean you feel like you know you're kind of there. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I'd survive without those other worlds. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't. You know, because there are things that you love and things you places you go and people you know on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of correlations to your, you know, to everything that's going on around you in your real life. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, there's always something that, and I mean, that, that's really what makes somebody, you know, an effective writer to a point sometimes is, you know, some sort of connectivity, yeah, something to bring it all together. Like you got, it has to be able to become personal to the reader in some way, shape or form, whether or not they, completely can align themselves at all with a, with a certain character or anything like that. But at least as, as long as there's some sort of human sort of connection to where you can... I agree. You know. And I think it also, when you read a lot, it makes the world we actually live in bigger because you've got all this other experience. You know what I mean? You've kind of seen other ways of thinking, other ways of doing. And, you know, it just makes the world a bigger place somehow. Oh, most definitely. I mean, because, you know, you're looking at... You're getting other people's point of views... You're, exactly. You're getting other people's, uh, like, the the way that people react to things. Um, you find similarities in between that and the way you might react to it. Or maybe exactly. not you, but some, maybe somebody you know. You know, exactly. and it all becomes, you know, that fleshes out these these other characters. It all just becomes a lot more real to I you. I agree completely. 
and I think that's how people get so caught up on the, in these type of things and become so obsessive. You know, the fans and everything. It's another. It's a you know, it's a place for them to go. Uh, friends that they can visit whenever yeah. they feel like it. You know. And the great thing is about a book, if a character dies, you can always go back to the beginning and they're alive again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unlike life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unlike life. You could, uh, you know, uh, but, well, there's home movies and things like that, too. I mean, it's, kind of, it's sort true. of the same kind of thing. I mean, you just revisit them. Um, yeah, that's true. And I had that, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't done anything with, I haven't read any Dark Tower stuff in a long time until, you know, coming back up to this interview and, I, it just brought it all back, and I don't, I don't know. I was taking a shower the other day and just, you know, randomly thinking about it as I do when I'm in, you know, some of my greatest thinking comes in the shower. Oh, yeah. Dr. Stephen King says the same thing about himself. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so here you go. You're a very good company. <laughs> I got, I got, st- somehow or another, um, that image stuck in my head, uh, or like popped into my head, I guess I should say, while I was in there the other day about uh, when Roland is carrying Jake into the woods and always walking beside him. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm like all of a sudden completely like sad. I'm like, oh, no, no, Jake, no. I know, it's, it's awful, isn't it? Like, I haven't even thought about that in so long. And, like, I just I just remembered that painting, you know, in the, well, just from the original of whatever, yeah. the Dark Tower book, you know, and it, it's just nothing but these really giant tall trees and it's all green and everything. And then you see, like, down at the very bottom, like, Roland carrying Jake out there and, <laughs> and away beside him. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, all right, I'm back. I'm back to the tower, tower road. Here. I know. I cried in that scene as well. I don't know many people who haven't. I mean, even you know, even rough and tough type dudes that I've uh, you know gotten to read the Dark Tower series. Oh, man, Jake, man, man, man yeah, because he's, he's a character that I think everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. evidently, one of the one of the consistent um, letters that come into the offices, you know, when when Stephen King was writing the series was. You can kill anybody, but don't kill Oi. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Sorry. people really bad. They don't <laughs> want Oi to die. Oh, boy. It's uh, it's always funny to me oh, to man. see how people draw bumblers. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there's not, I mean, what is there to go off of besides, you know, a rough description? But yeah. it's funny to see the different versions, you know, like there's Bernie Wrightson's version from yeah. Wolves of the Cow, which I, I like a lot. Uh, I think it's like, I, he may be only one picture and i think it's when jake and him are going through the uh the place out where the robots were yeah yeah um there's that one scene like where there's like i guess there's like a a dead guy or whatever like in a you know where they had where the people had died and you see oi down the bottom Uh, that was one of my favorite (laughs) ones with it it's fun you know sometimes he's more raccoonish or exactly. bumblers are more yeah. raccoonish. Sometimes they're ferret. more doggish. Sometimes they're more like, yeah, looking yeah, like a ferret. Weasley ferret yeah. thing. Yeah, because yeah. he does bury. It's interesting. And I've wondered about that as yeah. well. Sometimes like, they're less ferocious. Yeah. yeah, how would Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is he, like, is he going to look like Snarf? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would they have to do him as kind of CGI? Yeah, or? I think he would have to be He'd CGI. have to, yeah. I mean, like, they do a lot with CGI now, so mm-hmm. it could be quite amazing. Yeah, it would yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, he would be making little noises, and you know. <laughs> yeah, then they'd have to make an oi doll. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. God. You sell the shit out of that thing. <laughs> I know. Oh, exactly. my God. <laughs> Squeeze it and it would say oi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Hey, exactly. Hey. That's the guy. It would be a huge seller. <laughs> it would be the Christmas, uh, the Christmas yeah. gift of the, of the year. Yeah. I'd have one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we all have one. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get around that. <laughs> it's like Gizmo. I, 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 when I saw Gremlins when I was a little kid, there was nothing I wanted more in the world than my own Gizmo. <laughs> no, exactly. Me too. Yeah. Oh man, what else you got, Adam? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't have any other questions. Just you know, chit chatting. <laughs> so no, no, it's great to talk to you guys. It's yeah. so nice to catch up again. Yeah, yeah I'm no kidding. I always, I always think it's like when I started, it's like, well, you know, I don't know what the sound quality is going to be like. Hopefully it'll be okay. And then my next thought is, I don't care. We're just going to hang out and talk to Robin for an hour. Yeah, if no, nothing it's else, great. it's for us. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I'll tell you what, if, the, if we do get that series up and going again, we should yes. talk again. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, most definitely. That would be great. Yeah, like even if uh, even if Dollar Ben is not doing anything, we will we will get back together specifically <laughs> to do that. Yeah, that would be definitely. great. Even to well, talk about the possibilities on your, yeah. on your site, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You do loads. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But uh, yeah, thank you for talking with us. It's. It's always fun. I, I mean, we only do it every few years, but it's worth it. Oh, I it's always fun. enjoy it, too. It's great to yeah. talk to you guys. <laughs> yeah. So take care of yourselves. Thank you uh, again for talking with us. Thank you for doing the Dark Tower comics and everything. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Yeah, well, thank you for We really have that. enjoyed it. so them. nice. Seriously. Yeah. And um, I'll definitely keep an eye out for the other things that you've got coming through. And um, I, I usually... If uh, it, you, you're one of the names, if I see your name on a book, I pick it up. So. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, for you know for writing and making these these things for us, uh, so that we can continue to enjoy comics and stories. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, you take care, and I'll be talking to you soon. Okay, dope. Bye, Rob. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>